Okay, um, so I'd like to welcome along Nick Sinclair to uh, the Bizink podcast. Nick's the CEO of The Outsourced Accountant. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about um, what The Outsourced Accountant does, Steve? Nick? Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, so the outsourced accountant is an offshoring business. So we, in essence, provide Australian and New Zealand accounting firms with staff um, that are based in the Philippines but work exclusively for those accounting firms. So it's a little bit different to your traditional outsourcing where you send your work overseas, they do it and send it back. Um, we actually provide our clients with staff, dedicated staff that work for them and the accountants in Australia, New Zealand, um, are then responsible for workflow management and um, some of the training. Okay, great. Um, so I think from from my experience talking to to accountants, um, outsourcing something that um, it both um, is it, is something they're really interested in, really excited about, but but also a little bit scared about. Um, so I just wanted to explore a little bit more. Um, what what's the main reason you think accountants should outsource? Yeah, look, I think outsourcing is a bit of the elephant in the room and, and a lot of it has to do with the way that outsourcing's traditionally worked in the past and a lot of accountants that have tried it, it didn't work for them. Um, but, but generally that's where they were sending their tax work over um, to Vietnam or India or another external country. They were wanting them to do the tax return, send it back as a completed job. So outsourcing in the past, um, there was issues around privacy of data because they were sending data across um, systems were a lot um, less structured, they weren't cloud-based. To, to outsourcing or offshoring is what we really call it. Is It's really around just hiring a team but having a second office um, in an offshore location. In our case, it's the Philippines. So it's it's not so much sending your work anymore. It's around, all right, let's help build and establish a team in a different location so we've got a second office and that team is then going to be able to do certain work. Um, Privacy-wise, no information is actually getting transferred because you're not emailing a tax return job to be done. It's all being done through a cloud-based system there's privacy um, steps put in place so that they can't transmit or get information um, obviously cloud technology has been a real big enabler for offshoring to to really start to get some momentum um, but a lot of accountants that we speak to have still got a negative thought of, of what outsourcing is because they just see it as you know cheap labor working in really bad facilities and getting paid really small amounts of money when you know it's the complete opposite to that so just touching on that, so do you think cost is a major factor why you should outsource or offshore or um, are, are there other kind of benefits that would outweigh that? Look, I, cost is a benefit of, of offshoring, but it's not the reason to offshore. So we see the real benefit as uh, offshoring is really an enabler to create capacity. Um, I don't know too many firms in the industry that have significant amounts of capacity. Um, so what offshoring does, it allows you to put on uh, four people offshore for the cost of one in Australia. So it really allows firms to, to look at their workflow and say, all right, well, the, the work that is being done by this person in our office is really a $2 or $5 an hour job, but we're billing them out at $150, $300 an hour, whatever the charge out rate is. Um, so there's no real value to the client or to the person in, in the office in Australia or New Zealand doing that work. So it's really enabled to go, right, well, what are the roles that we could put into processes, move them into a lower cost labour and then have the people that are in our office onshore to be 
really adding value to clients and be doing work that is is a higher value work to both the client and to the firm. Um, so we see offshoring is more an enabler to create capacity. With that comes a benefit of a reduced um, cost and being able to have obviously higher levels of cost, or sorry, staff offshore for the same cost of having one onshore. Um, so obviously as you grow your firm and as your firm gets more work in, then the margin that you're making on each job is going to be significantly higher because of the low cost to, to then produce it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of um, what things should be outsourced and um, I guess are there any things that you you should never outsource that you should always keep within your country? Yeah, look, we've we've got um, over 220 staff working for us in the Philippines um, across a, a base of about 70 clients and, and we see all sorts of work being done there from basic administration, corporate secretarial, uh, marketing services, business tax returns, BASs. Um, the one thing when, before I sold my own accounting firm earlier this year, that, that I was really adamant that I would never outsource is actually client contact um, and high level advice. So we see... Um, the Philippines has a great environment to do process orientated work um, and really strategic thinking um, and client contact is something that we really believe should be kept in in the onshore office in Australia um, that's that's really where you, you you add the value your staff can add values around that strategic thinking um, and more around that client contact and communication mm. but yeah, I will add to that. There are some firms that have got um, their their staff overseas actually talking to their Australian staff. Oh, sorry, Australian clients, and their Australian clients have no issues with it. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Because um, I think um, I was talking to um, an accountant earlier, and um, I was asking him about about outsourcing. Then we were going to be doing this podcast today. Um, one question she had was, well, if, if we outsource, what does it mean for our staff? Um, you know, do you see that as a threat to uh, jobs within, whether it's Australia, New Zealand, the US, UK, um, or um, is, it, is it freeing them up to do other types of work? Yeah, look, we, we, I went on a speaking tour with Rob Nixon from Panalytics over, a, it was about a 14 um 14 roadshows, roadshows you could say. So that was one of the most common questions was, is that what happens to our Australian staff? You're taking jobs away from Australia or wherever you're located throughout the world. And and what my um, what I generally say to people is, is that the amount of people that came up to me that were managers or just normal accountants to say, look, I'm, I work for XYZ accounting firm. Um, all I do is crap work. All I do is process returns and then you grow into a manager and because you're a manager now, you get to review everyone else's work that they do. So you're not actually getting more client contact and more advice time with clients. You're just getting more and more responsibility to do more and more paperwork. Um, so a lot of the staff, the, well, particularly with our clients, a lot of the clients are saying to us, look, our staff in a Australia are now fast-tracking through our firm at a more rapid rate because we're taking away the lower work, the process-orientated work, and now they're sitting in client meetings with, with the partners or the managers and they're actually having face-to-face client contact at, a, at an earlier stage. So they're, they're quickly becoming higher revenue-generating staff sooner. Um, 
which means that they're attracting better quality staff. And you know, I know one of the one of the big four firms in Australia. Um, one of their actual recruiting tools now is that when you come and work for us, you'll never have to do a tax return. You'll only talk to clients and give high value advice. So they promote that they've got an offshore team. They've got 400 people overseas that do all the back end. So all the staff need to do there is walk in, sit down, talk to a client, dictate it, send it overseas, the work gets done, and then they deliver it back to a client. So, um, you know, in some cases with some firms, it may, you know, reduce their headcount in Australia. But in most cases, we see that what is actually happening is the staff in Australia are becoming more upskilled, um, higher charge out rates, more value to clients, and their offshore team are then becoming the production house that are doing the, the tax and compliance style work that we just have to do because of regulatory reasons. Mm-hmm. So do you think firms that, um, well, from experience to firms, um, you know, obviously they're going to become more profitable if they do that. Do they actually grow in terms of, you know, like you say, offering more services? Is is there a correlation between firms who offshore and and growth firms as well? Yeah, look, I can I can only speak from our own businesses um, experience with our clients, but every one of our clients are in growth mode. They're not in um, dying mode, so they're all growing. Um, you know. They're having some pretty good growth rates as well because of it, um, and and the firms are able to add in services that they haven't been able to in the past. and And look, everyone talks about um, giving clients advice and business advice related services, but the honest truth is, most accounting firms don't actually offer it. They may offer it on their website, but they don't do it because they don't have time to do it. And the other thing we've found is they don't actually have the skills to do it. So um, a lot of our clients are starting to break into that area now where they do have, um, they do actually have the ability to be able to learn how to deliver those services, upskill their team to be able to deliver those services and start to actually do it and add more value to their clients. Okay, yeah. Um so that all sounds incredibly positive. Um, are there any pitfalls of outsourcing, and and if there are, what what can you do to avoid them? Oh look, there's there's a pages of of um, downfalls on outsourcing as well, and and look, some of the biggest ones that I could say is that if you're going to do it, you need to really commit to it. There's no point putting on a team member overseas, um, and then basically giving them no time in training and that. And, and the easiest way that I relate to it is to say is, look, if you were to employ a new person in your office today, you wouldn't walk them into the boardroom, give them a pile of files and then close the door and say, look, you're not allowed to talk to any of our staff here. You're on your own. Good luck. Bring the work once when it's done. And that's what a lot of people approach with outsourcing because the magnifying effect is they're sitting in another country and 90% of the time they don't understand the tax of where they're now, well, the client that they're working for. So we do a lot of training with our our staff as part of our onboarding program to train and on Australian tax. But there are accountants that have got ten years of accounting experience, but not necessarily in Australia. So there is still some ongoing training around that. There's training around process, um, and there's training around how you like it to be done because it may be different to how they've done it in the past. So one of the the biggest thing that we see is that people underestimate the commitment that is needed to make it work. It's not a one-month journey. It is really something that you need to say, look, our firm wants to move from this 
to this model. Um, we are going to invest our time so that over the next 18 months we can transition to this. Um, look, clients get instant value. Within weeks, their production is a lot better. But to really, really nail it and make it work, it is a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. So um, that's one of the biggest pitfalls of outsourcing is people just um, expect to um, make it happen overnight when it, it's just not going to happen. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um so probably people listening from various different countries um, yeah, here today, Australia, New Zealand, UK um, and the US, um, do you think there's a, a better fit between certain countries and certain countries, um, you know, or or can that, is it a completely global situation there? Yeah, look, Al, at the moment we work in Australia and New Zealand. We're launching into the UK next year and it's been a real interesting experience investigating the, the UK market mm. um, and what we've found is that the exact same problems that Australia and New Zealand are, are facing around, you know, shortage of, of really suitable um, qualified staff, um, once you find someone being able to retain them, being able to grow them enough so that they won't leave you and that when you do grow them enough, they don't just go and start up their own firm or go and work for someone else and demand a higher amount of, of money. So mm-hmm. a lot of the staffing issues are very common across all places. Um, from a costing point of view, you're looking at about, um, for the UK, Australia, New Zealand, you're looking at being able to employ four people in the Philippines for the cost of one in all of those three markets. So mm-hmm. from a staff ratio, it's it's very similar. So look, I really think offshoring, um, particularly in the countries that we're talking about, um, it's a global thing. Um, if we were looking at, you know, outsourcing uh, to for Indian firms, then obviously it's not going to work because the cost of the Philippines is, is fairly similar to India. So... Mm-hmm. I think, you know, for the countries that, that you mentioned, um, offshoring is certainly suitable in, in all cases and, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned one firm before who um, puts their clients directly in touch with their overseas um, office. Um, do you think you should tell clients that their work is being done overseas or is there a case where um, you, you feel that's that's... You know, irrelevant or uh, doesn't need to be doesn't need to be said. Look, my personal opinion is when you're dealing with any business, um, when you're walking down to a shop or you're talking to the local telephone company and that, you don't ask where their work's getting done. No. Um, so, it, my personal opinion is it it doesn't really matter. Um, from experience in owning my own accounting firm, our philosophy is that we were very transparent with clients. Mm. Um, we, we altered what we delivered to them, and our explanation for how we could deliver the additional services at no more cost was because we were implementing an office in the Philippines. We were building our secondary office over there, which enabled us to get some of our lower work put over there. And which you know, not one client turned around and said, "Oh, what you're going to deliver more." more for me for no more cost and so I don't want it they were all they were all extremely happy and I think where offshoring um, goes wrong with with clients is when the quality of work that they get is not acceptable Mm -hmm. now the reality is it doesn't matter where the work gets done because there always needs to be a filter or review process in a business that stops that quality, poor quality of work going out. So whether the work's done in the Philippines, it gets reviewed in Australia, then is delivered to the client. Um, the, as long as there's a filter in place, clients are not going to have a problem. They're going to have a problem, though, when the quality of works and the standard of work drops because there's no review process in, in, 
yeah, as part of the process. Mm-hmm. So, look, is it right or wrong to tell clients? Uh, I would say, you know, half of our clients disclose it to, to their clients and the other half don't. Mm. Um, and I don't think it, to be honest, I don't think it makes any difference. When you walk into a business, uh, you don't ask where the work is getting done. It's the same as when you get on a plane to fly from Australia to the Philippines or wherever you're going. You don't walk up to the pilot and say, look, can you show me your credentials? And I just want to make sure that you're good enough to be able to fly the plane today. Yeah. Um, you know, you have, you have faith in the, in the brand or the firm that you've gone to that the, the quality of work is going to be good enough. So... You know, it's really a personal choice, and and clients either way doesn't hasn't had any effect on their businesses, to be honest. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think there's if you asked some people, they would say they didn't like it, but in reality, I don't think they care. It's just if you ask the question, they say I'll probably prefer to have it done by someone in the country, but I I don't think they care as long as the quality's good, right? Yeah, exactly. I agree. Um. So, um. One of the other things I was going to ask, so you mentioned that, um, you know, the process-driven stuff is is being done um, by some of you guys in the Philippines. What about um, other things that might fall outside of um, normal accounting work? So specifically, I'm thinking about marketing, which falls within what we do at BizInc. Do you see any firms outsourcing that function? Yeah, look, what we've found is, particularly with our clients, is as they get their back offices up and running and becoming efficient, they're then starting to go, oh, hang on, we need more work. Um, and this is for a variety of sizes, you know, firms that have got, you know, five staff in Australia up to, you know, 200 staff. So the the evolution we see is that once they get that back office side of it done, they, they then turn around us and say, look, we employ one marketing person in our office, but she can only do so much. So what the next stage is, is to then engage um, content writers or graphic artists or depending on what, what the firms do, engaging those experience roles putting them into the philippines i mean for example graphic artwork when my firm started outsourcing um back five years ago for my accounting firm we used to spend around 15 grand a year on on graphic artwork so we looked at them when we can employ someone over in the philippines for about 10 to twelve thousand dollars um that produces the same quality of work as it were getting done by our graphic artists but now we have this person full-time so we got them to redo all of our internal documents. We we're getting them to do a lot more marketing documents, a lot more booklets, um, e-books. Um, and what we then ended up getting them to do is we ended up selling their services to our clients at a, at a very cost-effective rate. So there's particularly with firms that are really wanting to get into that business advisory space, building your own marketing teams, leading examples for your clients. And then if you've got surplus capacity, then you can always sell those services off to um, either other accounting firms or, or your end clients. They're all in need of graphic art, um, content writers are writing and publishing um, blogs and e-books. And, you know, if you, if you don't have enough work for them, I'm sure you could find a client that would need to use their services, even if it was a cost recovery, you know, $5 an hour. <laughs> yeah, right. And, um, um, did, have you, so that's really interesting to me is that you're getting people writing blogs and that kind of thing where um, I guess English isn't their first language. Um, are, are, are they, so, you know, what's the quality comparison like there? Is it kind of, you know, does it match what you could get done? within the country or yeah I'd be interested to know that 
Yeah, look, my um, my personal experience from when we had them with my firm and, and even the ones that are writing content for the outsourced accountant, um, look, to be honest, they're trained journalists that have worked in media or, or, or different um, writing for newspapers or um, American clients or Australian clients for normally five to ten years. Right. So they've had... They've got extensive experience in writing um, and the difference between writing, even though it's not their second language, from pretty much birth, they're taught English and that's mm. why we, we operate in the Philippines because they're taught English from the day they're born. So their English skills are quite, are quite strong. In some cases, the written um, English may not be brilliant, but if they've been doing journalism, it's all in English anyway. Yeah. So they're trained at university on it. They're then going working in it. Um, so it's easy to, to teach them um, if they've been writing for an American company, it's easy to teach them the Australian or New Zealand way because it's only a slight change in, in the language tone. Um, so we find it really, to be honest, it's quite easy to um, to be able to train on that aspect and um, to the point where they come to you with a content plan, they write the content. Um, where it won't work is probably where... And, and again, I'd, I'd be worried if accountants were writing these, but I do see accountants writing blogs like this where they're very technical. Mm -hmm. So they're very technical blogs around GST. It's like, well, you know what? Clients don't read that junk anyway. No, they so don't. So don't write it. <laughs> it adds value as opposed to junk that a client's just going to open and go, oh, that's why I pay you. I don't want to know about it. Yeah. Um, so look, they because and that's probably the best thing about being able to engage a content writer is because it's not a technical piece; it's a business advisory piece or a business growth piece or whatever it is. It's easy for them to be able to research that throughout the world and then come up with the content layout. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. That's really interesting. Um, are, are there any other things people are outsourcing apart from those things that you know would surprise people? Um, oh, look, there's all sorts of roles. Um, I mean, we specialise in accounting firms and, and financial planning, so we see things like, um, you know, statement of advices for financial planners, which is basically the financial plan being written over there, um, all forms of administration, marketing services, um, full tax work. Um, some firms are getting uh, their staff over there to start doing business advisory work okay. um, and business advisory being cash flow forecasting and, and more analysis type work. Um, we've got a few insolvency firms that are, that are doing a lot of that work um, offshore. Um, and then if you look outside of it into the general outsourcing industry, um, you know, when you go and get an x-ray so if you break your arm you go and get sent off to get an x-ray generally those um were processed into a film that a doctor in australia for example would read diagnose and within 24 hours your doctor would have a report from this specialist um so what we're seeing now is that the minute you get the image taken it's then sent to the philippines a report is written by a qualified radiographer in the Philippines, sent back to the um, radiographer in Australia, ticket off, sent to the doctor within 45 minutes of you getting that x-ray. <laughs> so, um, you know, you're looking at things like that, a lot of the medical dictation. So when specialists are in the operation theatre, um, they, they dictate what happens and then it's typed and then it's put into medical records and that used to take some weeks in, in cases to do. Um, so now we're seeing it being, you know, recorded one minute, typed within an hour, back in a client file for the doctors to be able to review, you know, within an hour of the surgery being done. So, um, 
you think about anything that is a process, design work. So America's um, one of America's biggest architect firms has 80% of their staff in the Philippines designing buildings that are some of the biggest and grandest buildings in America, and they're all getting designed out of the Philippines. So, um, yeah, there's a huge variety of what can be done. It's The question is more what cannot be done, mm-hmm. and that's, that's things that are physical. So you can't go and build a house. Yeah, because you need the people on the ground to do that. So that's where really, really where the separation is: is do you need a physical person to physically touch it to move it? And if not, it can all be done over there. Mm. Yeah, that's fascinating. And um, I guess looking at it from a very long term point of view, um, as um, you know, wages go up in in the Philippines. Do you think that's something that w- you would have to change where you're outsourcing things to, or is that is that a long way off? Oh, look, it's a significant amount of time, you know, before that even becomes anywhere near being an issue. There's over a hundred million people in their population. There's a significant amount of unemployment. Um, there is no government benefits, um, so if you're not working, you don't get a cent from the government. So they're incentivised to work. Their families have to support them. Um, you know, inflation is well within the normal um, for around the world in any country, but you look at the growth rates of what's going on in the Philippines, you'd expect it to be a lot higher. So, mm-hmm. look, we, we still think it's a long way off. And to be honest, um, places like Australia, uh, you know, the wages are inflating more here than they are over in the Philippines. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was just trying to hire yeah, somebody so. in Australia, so I definitely know about that. <laughs> that must be the- oh, yeah, it's not cheap. <laughs> it's not cheap. It's not cheap at all. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Um, hey, that's great, Nick. Well, I think um, that's been fascinating chatting about um, outsourcing there. Um, what we'll do is, um, for anyone interested in finding out more about um, Nick and his outsourced accountant, um, you'll find all the details on the podcast page. Um, we'll put the website and, and contact details up there. But, um, cool. Thanks so much for coming along. That's that's been fantastic. No worries. Thanks for having me, Matt. Brilliant. All right. Thanks, Nick. Cheers. <laughs>